You're listening to a production of Swanson Media. Hey everybody, this is Joe Swanson. Welcome back to another episode of Sullen Radio. Uh, first, I'd like to apologize. My voice is a little hoarse. I'm getting over being sick, so please forgive me. I appreciate it. With that said, this show is brought to you by Kingpin Tattoo Supply. You can find them at kingpintattoosupply.com. Uh, one of the things that you can get over there is the red tattoo stencil paper from S8. You guys have probably seen Russ Abbott promoting this on Instagram and as well as a bunch of other artists. And uh, it's really good. I liked it. I used it the last few times tattooing. And uh, it was really easy to see my work as I was working through the tattoo. You know, the stencil stayed readable through the entire tattoo. And it was uh, a really nice experience. So I would suggest getting yourself some red stencil paper from S8 and pick that up through Kingpin Tattoo Supply. You can make an order at kingpintattoosupply.com or by calling them at 888-299-5675. It's Kingpin Tattoo Supply for the artist since 1996. Hey everybody, welcome back to Sullen Radio. I appreciate you guys tuning in. This was a fun talk for me. It was with a tattooer named Josiah Laughlin, and uh, he works up at Artwork Rebels in Portland, Oregon, um, Jason Kundel's shop. And um, we both have a similar history with uh, a person that we worked with, Tom Jenneru, who was a big influence on our tattooing early on. It was a guy that tattooed out of St. Cloud, Minnesota. And um, so it was fun to talk with Josiah and really reminisce about that early time in our careers and um, that formidable years that, that kind of led us to the tattooers we are today. So um, it was great catching up with him. We actually connected um, because of Instagram. Uh, I did an Americana Tattoos Takeover, and he uh, saw a picture I had posted of Tom. Um, he commented on it, and we connected, and, and we got to talk for the podcast, which was really fun. So this is the Sullen Radio Podcast, and this is my talk with tattooer Josiah Laughlin. This is Sullen Radio with Joe Swanson, the premier art-driven podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to uh, Sullen Radio. I'm here with uh, Josiah Laughlin from uh, Artwork Rebels in Portland, Oregon. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Well, so we were reminiscing about how um, we kind of reconnected, and this is a dude that we both have similar history in a shop that we both worked at in uh, Minnesota, so... Um, I think it was the Americana Tattoos take, uh, Takeover, wasn't it? Like that you commented on something because I had posted a few pictures of Tom. Uh, yeah, Jenneru, yeah, and, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, so it, what a trip, man. It's it's wild to, uh, um, and I have work from Jason, uh, owner of Artwork Rebels, and you know have dug that dude's work for years and connected with him at a couple conventions and shit. So when like I connected with you and saw you work there, and I was like, man, this is such a cool like full circle thing you know it was rad to rad to connect with you man yeah yeah it was super cool um it's it's funny too because uh um hold on a second i gotta shut this window it's cold um i don't really uh know of too many people that i knew of from that era that are still tattooing right you know like there's a couple of guys I think that are still around in that, that part of, uh, in, in central Minnesota that were tattooing when I was tattooing or maybe right after I was tattooing. 
but like a lot of the old guys or 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 the people that were tattooing before I was like no I have no knows. idea where they are if they're still tattooed even if they're still alive a lot of, a lot right. of those, you know those people are dead now so um <laughs> yeah. you know to see someone on and that and that you were still tattooing yeah was it's, was was super cool well it's cool man to have like I feel I mean I've just been thinking about it a lot more since I mean, even since doing this podcast and kind of reminiscing a bunch about stories and my history and, you know, the, the people that I've worked with. And, man, I feel so blessed that when I came into St. Cloud, I had moved back from California. I had a, a you know, maybe about a year, I think, of tattooing. And um, I walked into that shop, Rising Phoenix, you know, talked to Tom, talked to Candy introduced myself I actually brought my mom in there that that day like my wife at the time was <laughs> came in there so everybody met everybody I had my portfolio and um you know they were they were like real receptive you know I caught them on a good day you know and oh yeah it was cool to that you know they hired me and said hey I want you to come back out hit us up and um you know I learned a lot being at that shop you know his connection with Nolan and seeing some of Nolan's work on him and you know Tom's just obsession right. with you know, Japanese, big Japanese, you know, body suits and, um, you know, down to the little details, like the little drawing down in his, you know, where he tattooed when I was there was down in the basement, um, way back in the back. He had a big room down there. And sure. Yeah. The, I remember that room at the sure. end of the hall. There was this little, uh, drawing of a cherry blossom. You know, it was the how to cherry blossom, uh, thing with the five petals and the little, like, sketch you know the the five sketched circles in this circle in the middle and it was something that he had done probably who knows when he drew it but it was like kind of that i've got it are you fucking serious yeah it's it's hanging up in my hallway in my house holy fuck man that was like so influential to me like as a young tattooer like i was young man i had a little bit of time in a street shop in california and had been kind of given the the right direction but um, that shop, man, Rising Phoenix is where I got my chops up. You know, every Saturday coming in like with a stack of paper, oh, stack of papers of tattoos that need to be done. And half of them I had to draw on because I didn't have time to draw them or it was just a, a matter of it's going to be quicker for me to just, you know, do this draw on and get it done than, you know, and be able to get to the next three of them than try to sit down and really, um, you know, force something down on paper. So it really taught me a shit ton, man, being at that shop. And Tom's influence was such a blessing to me at the time. You know, I was stoked to not only have come from a shop in California that had a really rich history, but, you know, kind of dive into a shop where I, it was on the verge, man. Like he was, he had this so influenced by Japanese stuff, but that dude was a fucking biker, man. Like that guy was, yeah, you know, like shoot, no joke shootouts in front of the shop and just nonsense, you know, like totally. crazy shit, you know. So I got that kind of history and stories like from him and just to, <laughs> de you know, just to deal with Tom. You know, I loved Tom. He was he was a good dude. And we we always um, you know, I left there on good terms and shit. And but he was a character and he was he was one to deal oh, with, yeah. you know, and, and I oh, yeah. I feel, you know, even blessed to have had that experience where he would say something to you one one second and turn around, walk out the door, walk back into the room, like literally five seconds later and just be a completely different person, like fucking cursing you out. And it's like, holy shit, man, I had to really step the communication yeah. game up. And, you know, I think those lessons that I learned 
really helped me in like dealing with people in a street shop environment and really being oh, able yeah. to. Oh, yeah. You, 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 you won't find that. I mean, there's maybe a couple shops like that left yeah. in the country where you're going to see that kind of stuff. But like, I mean, those guys are, they're so far and few. Yeah. And that was the norm. Yes. You know, like shop shops like that were, were really common. That old yeah. biker, you know, mentality. Gangster mentality. Like, yeah. Like it was a subculture, yeah. like that outlaw lifestyle. And, you know, to, to, I'm stoked that I got to see that. Like, mm -hmm. Uh, I reminisce about it now fondly when I was apprenticing in it. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. But, um, you know, I got to see a part of tattooing that I don't think we'll ever see again. It's like, definitely it's different. Done. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't want those days to come back. Like, I don't want to have to have a gun at my station or <laughs> yeah. any, like watch clients get chased out of the door with a hammer. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I saw some crazy shit there, but, yeah. um, you know, I got to see it. I, I mean, it definitely taught me how to handle myself around yeah. people in difficult situations, which, you know, yeah. paid off tenfold. <laughs> I'm not positive with that cherry blossoms diagram, but I'm pretty sure Nolan gave that to Tom. Oh, okay. All and right. it's not signed. I'm, oh, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I'm, I'm, I'm nearly sure. Like, cause there, there were, I remember there was a couple little like how to guides yeah. that you'd see that were like treasure, <laughs> yes. like super secret. You didn't tell anyone about mm -hmm. it. And you were like in the circle, if you got to see this right. or got a little piece of that magic. Yeah. So, um, you know, just such a cool time in tattooing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I went to, I went to ink slingers. I think probably the pictures that I posted on that, that takeover that, I, that I did. And, um, man, how cool is that fucking Instagram? We can get into that too. The Americana tattoos. It's like so cool to see like this right. history unfolding, you know, in pictures before us. And, um, you know, I probably, uh, posted pictures of ink slingers ball with Tom and, and candy and, um, yeah, I saw Tom's those. son. I saw and that was sure. like, Man, how fucking crazy. Like, that was my first, like, go out of the state convention. It was Ink Slingers Ball. It was at the L.A. Palladium. I went there with Ran Johnson. Madness. Ran Johnson, the creator of Cherry Creek Flash. We all flew on the plane together, you know, um, went out there. Me and me Look and uh, Rand. Rand's a bad motherfucker, dude. That dude sold a shit ton of flash, homie. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, my yeah, God build a house out of stacks yeah. of hundred dollar bills with, with what that guy did. Yeah. I and the nicest guy you'll ever meet. The we went to nicest a dude. together. Yeah. Super nice guy. Yeah. But it was, it was wild, man. Let's so th those times with that shop, you know, and, and, you know, experiencing, that's where I first saw shit, man. I met Patty Kelly at that one. I saw, um, uh, Eric Hogan, like came up to me at that one, which was like blew my mind at that time when I was looking at Eric's work and, you know, knowing sure. like that was one dude who I was aware at the time was doing something special in my mind, you know, in traditional work and. Oh, totally. And, and totally. Putting Sacramento kind of on a, on, on the map and connected oh, with man. Sylvia, Scott Sylvia, who was another guy that I knew at that time through looking at magazines and different shit. And so, man, that, that, time in LA dude I was thinking about this time uh just a couple days ago um and I got to see the back piece that uh 
Sailor Jerry did on that doctor. And I forget the oh, right? you know, the big dragon one. And that dude Yeah, was I know there. what you're talking about. He did it in five days. Yeah. That, that yeah, five yeah. sitting back piece. Yeah. Yep. And I saw I sat there and talked to that guy for probably like a half hour, just bullshit with him, looked at that piece and and I I mean, it was it was phenomenal. Just like those experiences you can't get you can't you can't give that up, man. It's just or you can't like I wouldn't trade that for fucking anything, you know. It's uh, oh, no. it's awesome. It's awesome. Dude, that's yeah, that's amazing. Uh, they took me down. The first big convention that I ever did was uh, Tattoo Tour when that was still happening. JD Crow's yep. show, and that came through Minneapolis. And okay. I think I had been working with Tom and Candy for about a year at that point, uh, maybe a little longer. And I think I had been tattooing for not. I mean, I had done a couple on some buddies. I think I was still doing like $25 tattoos mm-hmm. uh, on, on people. And it was like, you know, little kanji tattoos and all that stuff. And we went down there together and um, had a booth next to Nolan's. And so it was like us and, and the Acme crew. And uh, I got introduced to just like the tattoo gods of that time, you yeah. know, um, Rolo was there. I met him. I met Chris Trevino, um, Dana Brunson. We spent a bunch of time with Robert Ben and daddy. And he was telling awesome. us all kinds of crazy stories about like sunset strip mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, Paul Booth was there and was hitting on my girlfriend at the time. <laughs> and, it. uh, uh, Nolan walked up and pinched his cheek and, uh, he like let up off my girlfriend and, you know, Gil Monty was there and Lyle Tuttle. So I got to meet all these guys and I was like, I think I was not 20. Yeah. Oh, wow. I couldn't even buy booze yet. I was 20 <laughs> years old and just like surrounded. Uh, I met Mike Rubendahl for the first time there. He was just a kid. He just had his sleeves finished from Philip Lou. Wow. Um, yeah, he came up into the hotel room uh, where uh, Dana and Robert and Nolan and Gil Monty was there. Um, Lucas Hendricks from Spain, who's just the craziest fucking dude you'll ever meet. Um, we're all sitting around telling jokes and stories and, you know, drinking and all of that stuff. And uh, I remember Rubendahl had, had just got his sleeves finished and he was taking pictures of everything. And um, it was just a trip, you know, like. I met Patty Kelly. Yeah, Patty. Um, I met Patty at a tattoo tour, and uh, I don't know if I met her. I think the first time maybe had been at that Ink Slingers Ball, but then I I saw her again out at um, uh, out at the tattoo tour in Miami Beach. Had to have been in like '99 or '98, and shit, man. Saw Eddie Deutsch again. I had been tattooed by Eddie and bumped. I man, I remember seeing Freddie Negretti running around that that convention floor. <laughs> Um, my homeboy, George Campisi, who I had, um, met through a guest spot at Erno's was working in, um, Corey, uh, Corey Miller's booth. And so I was hanging out with him and, and, um, I got tattooed by Jeff Rescher, which was a trip, man. It was, I still have pictures of it. This is amazing, man. So, um, those conventions, dude, you can't, the experiences you'll have at a convention, if you like, just let it, let it happen and like, um, decide to go have fun man can be some of the funnest fucking times oh yeah it was it was incredible i remember uh the guy that won best overall male i can't remember his name he had a back piece from philip lou which i mean 
in 2001 or 2002 to like see one of those in, in real life was like, forget it. Uh, but he had his nutsack tattooed and he ran, he was tattooing and he took his gloves off and ran up to the booth and like pulled his nutsack out and showed it to the judges. <laughs> and they're like, best overall, you know, it was just, it was just such a wild time, you know? And I was like, just got done with high school. Um, I had done a construction job for like a year out of high school to make money to pay for tattoos. It all went to Tom. <laughs> Uh, he was doing, doing a sleeve on me and, um, that kind of thing. And then I started working for him and they drug me down there. Like the, that first, uh, uh, the, the, the first year I was working for him. Dude, that's, uh, it's so crazy, man, to, you know, I got a lot of those experiences of, of seeing that kind of stuff that through magazines at first, you know, it wasn't until sure. like I started going to um, I worked in Vallejo with for Pops Tattoo with Vince Pelton. And then I, I went up to the Tattoos and Blues and started seeing people there. And and uh, um, it was then I kind of started like working conventions. I enjoyed that, man. I enjoyed working conventions and, and having a good time. Um, hanging out, taking walk-ups, just bullshitting with people. And it's like you you go there and you know you're going to see the same motherfuckers, you know, tell the same jokes and, and laugh and tell some new jokes and and have a good time, man. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, Dana Brunson said he was just going to swap lies with everyone while he was there, which right. was crazy. Um, uh, it's funny you mentioned Campisi, man. He was just up here like – two weeks ago tattooing with us that guy is awesome he's like the nicest dude you'll ever meet yeah nicest dude and one of the dude what a badass as far as a painter goes like i yeah it's back it's in insane. back in 2009 i was working at a uh, tattoo shop in the castro i just moved back from minnesota i went and um in in 2008 i moved back to st cloud and i was gonna try to work um well i worked at jeff's tattoo and i was trying to buy that shop things didn't work out. Um, sure. and I was, I was back like six months later. Um, and, uh, I totally lost my, I totally lost my train of thought. What was I, uh, what was I talking Castro. about? Oh, working um, working in the Castro. And we, uh, we had the, yeah, man, I go blank when I start thinking about that time working in the Castro, man, I blacked most of it fucking out. It was wild, wild, wild times for sure. Um, we had an art show though. They were trying to spruce up the shop and, and get things cracking and in the, in the triangle of chaos there. And so we had an art show and I went down and got a piece from George and it was this crazy zombie piece, man, that was just spectacularly sp painted. And I, that's when I knew like that dude was on a, on a, another level and just a, such an amazing artist, you know, I oh, totally super blessed to be able to have been, you know, worked with him and worked in Erno's, like next to Greg Coles too. And like got that little experience Crazy. wild, you know, I slept in that shop man. like during that, during that guest spot. And I would walk down to my ex-wife's gay uncle's house and take a shower. Um, and then come back up to the shop, grab a little sausage down the street, like at this little, um, hot dog stand, um, which was the spot. And man, I just tattooed walk-ins and Erno's in this legendary shop. Like now I think back on that and I was like, it fucking trips me out, man. Yeah. I mean, that's, 
I mean, and that's the thing is like a lot of those dudes from 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 that that period. I mean, they were living hard. Um, you know, Tom died at 45 years old, mm -hmm. you know, and that guy, I mean, he partied hard and then like kind of got his shit together and quit drinking, but still was like eating tons of pills and smoking hash and, you know, doing that whole thing. And, you know, that's takes a toll. And, and, and a lot of those guys from that time, it was, you know, live fast, die young. You got fistfuls of cash every day. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it was really, I mean, I think that's what attracted a lot of us to tattooing is like, there's this whole subculture and lifestyle that you kind of get to be your own boss and make your own rules and do whatever the fuck you want. And, and no one's gonna, you know, like your coworkers are doing it along with you. Yeah. And, um, I was thinking about that. Yeah, I mean, it, I was thinking about this the other day, just thinking like, what, what was it about that time? You know, that, that I came up tattooing before the internet, like what made it different or in my mind, what makes it special? And I think it was, it was kind of that, that it was this subculture thing at that point and it hadn't gone really, um, mainstream to the point where, everybody has tattoos you know it was still kind of a, a counterculture art form that not everybody did oh, totally. and to do it it was kind of something special and um now not that it's not special i mean there's there's absolutely fucking everything about tattooing to me is special still and i think people who are starting even today can make something special of it it's just um you know we had these experiences that were that i don't think Many people will, like you mentioned earlier, many people are not going to have um, today just because the nature of the beast that was tattooing back then has completely changed. It was it was so much more secretive, you know, and I. I, I feel like, I, you know, the people that kind of came in the late 90s, early millennium really kind of caught that tail end before mm -hmm. the cat was totally out of the bag, you know. Um, I had to sign a, a non-competition when I started working. Uh, I couldn't tattoo within 75 miles of that shop. And, and not for nothing, you know, the day he hired me, he, he put an 18-inch hunting knife to my stomach, just like to my belly to see how I'd react. You know, we were smoking a joint at his house, and he put a knife to my gut and was like, just kind of sat there and stared at me and I was like, well, okay, there's, you know, and just kind of, he's like, all right, you pass that test. And that, that was like all the fucking time, like shit like yes. that, just crazy shit. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and you know, like the, Tom and Candy were awesome. Like, you know, they showed me, you know, tattoo city at that time when, you know, um, it was uh, Lehigh and Colin Stevens and Jeff Whitehead. And I mean, just, I'd never, Ed Hardy was still tattooing. And, you know, they showed me these tattoos and they're like, this is what good tattooing is. Horiyoshi third, Horiyoshi second, um, you know, Don Nolan, Cliff Raven, like all these dudes. And I'm like, there was, there was no internet. You couldn't nope. look that stuff up. You had to be shown by someone who knew. 
yeah. what the good stuff was or, you know, Skin and Ink did a Philip Lou special. I remember that. It was like 50 color photos of recent Philip Lou tattoos. Whoa. I mean, I so growing up in, in central Minnesota in St. Cloud, like Switzerland might as well as have been the moon. Like I, I knew it existed and I knew it was really far away and you know, to see pictures of something coming out of a place like that mm. was just like, holy fuck, this is insane. And, you know, not to not to be like, you know, complaining about, oh, things were better back then. But the, the way it is now is you, you, you tump, type in Google or you hop on Instagram or Facebook or something like that. And you can see work from all over the world. Mm. Um you know, where it's a little bit easier to seek it out. You don't really have to do your research to find something like that. I mean, there were, there were three, three people in, in the entire state of Minnesota that could do a sleeve when in, in, you know, 99 or 2000, you know, it was Tom, Don Nolan and, and Sean Anderson. Like those mm -hmm. were the big three. I don't, I don't think Nick Scrade had, had broken off from electric Dragonland quite yet. Was um, maybe he was Ink Lab had. was Ink Lab open or Tom Strom was he up there yet? I don't, I don't think so because I remember um, Nick had either just left right before Electric Dragonland, so maybe there was like four or five guys, but there what you know what Not I mean? Like no. you couldn't you couldn't just walk in and get a sleeve. Or, or anything like that, or get something custom even, mm -hmm. you know, uh, a lot of, a lot of places weren't even doing custom yet. It was, you know, pick your cherry Creek and that's what you get. Yeah. There were holdouts for sure. I think around that time, like it was kind of getting to the point where you were thinking that you probably needed to do some custom stuff and there was possibly some custom stuff going on, but a lot of those shops and especially I think out in the Midwest were holding on to that. Like, let's just do this, you know, Shit, man. Uh, Isaiah Negretti was talking about that working in um, L.A. and then working in Hawaii, watching these guys just do flash. And if it wasn't on the, you know, the sheets, you don't want it. It's not getting done. And, you know, that was Dude, so crazy, so crazy. And it, I mean, I remember when I first started 96, mm -hmm. 95 or 96, and it was you know, it was getting to that point where, you know, you needed to kind of, you wanted to do a little bit of custom stuff. Ed Hardy's influence was already pr pulling pretty strong, you know? Sure. 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 But I mean, I, I Minnesota and the, you know, it's always been five, 10 years behind everyone else. So mm -hmm. like what was already happening in, you know, West coast, California, especially obviously, yeah you know, in the mid to late nineties was going to take a minute before it could get, yeah. get over to us and, <laughs> and really make that turn. But yeah, I definitely remember when like, that was a big thing where like you could go and, and bring a design, um, and getting really excited when I started tattooing, like, Oh, they want me to do something custom. That's yeah. awesome. Because I mean, I cut my teeth doing cherry Creek flash. Yeah. You know, that's, I would have days where, you know, and, and the rising Phoenix was a fucking busy shop. Yes. I mean, there would be a line of people around the building in the parking lot waiting to get in by 11, 1130 in the morning 
and I mean, the shop would be book solid by, by 1230. Like yeah. the day was full. Everyone was going to be tattooing their asses off all day long and staying late. And it was like that on a daily basis. And I remember doing like the same designs throughout the day. You know, there was a <laughs> right. couple of like real choice designs and, and it wasn't uncommon if you did it two, three times in a single day, yep. like it was just that popular. And I mean, in, in a situation where it's like that, where you you've got that many tattoos that need to get done a day, how the fuck are you going to draw something? Yeah. You know, you throw it in the photocopier and then run a stencil and yep. sit down and, and put it on. Yep. Yeah. Um, it, it, it was definitely, it was definitely, you had to do that. You had, I mean, the, the, how many shops still have files of just copied designs that you'd pull out? Oh, it's this sheet number on the flash. Let's go grab it out of the file and make a copy, maybe enlarge it 10%, whatever, and get to it. And that was what it was day in and day out. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Uh, so, so, so crazy. When, when did, um, when did you start thinking, okay, there's something, I mean, obviously having Tom's influence right away, probably and and going to that first convention, maybe it was that first convention where you're and meeting a guy like Rubendale who had gotten back from Switzerland. Did it change your mind on how far you could take tattooing or what you could do with it? Um, I think it was like, it really solidified like how much I wanted to be a part of it. You know, like I, I, I mean, I, I had wanted to tattoo since, you know, I was a kid. I mean, Tom was chasing me out of his tattoo shop when I was 13, 14 years old. You know, I would sneak in and say I would need an earring or something from Jeff and then linger a little too long and then ask, ask, start asking questions. You'd be like, all right, kid, get the fuck out of my shop. Come back when you're 18. You know, so it really took a minute. And then as soon as I, you know, was 17 years old, I booked an appointment to get a, you know, get a sleeve started on my 18th birthday. So, I mean, I really wanted to be a part of this. I what mean, did tattooing he, was. What did he say when you booked that sleeve? And what did you, what did you, did you know that you wanted what you wanted or were you just going to let him kind of go for it? I, I had some ideas. Um, I really wanted big geometric black work. Um, I remember seeing like some of Alex Benny's stuff awesome. and thinking that shit was so, and obviously like Leo yeah, and, and some of those dudes that were doing the big, crazy black stuff. Yeah. And I really wanted some of that. And, um, he, uh, he didn't really want to do that. So he kind of <laughs> talked me out of it and, and he's the one that turned me on to Japanese. He was like, Oh, you should get a koi. <laughs> and, uh, I was I like, heard All that, right, man. I like, heard that line a lot cool like here let's do it and he drew it on and he tattooed it and and you know that's that's what it was uh, you know that biker japanese style thing but when we went to that tattoo tour it was just like holy fuck you know henning was there wow. and all these dudes and it was just like this is so fucking cool this is it like there's there's no question this is what i want to i want to be a part of and then like the the real the really attractive thing was traveling was because i always planned to get out of minnesota i didn't want to stay there Mm -hmm. um and like when i went there it was like oh cool you can travel and do this 
or I, you know, I can do my apprenticeship and, you know, move out West. Mm -hmm. You know, at that time I was thinking I wanted to go to California, um, and, and, and try have a go out there, get, you know, get a Minnesota in the wintertime sucks, man. It's so cold. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that was, that was the big thing. And then, you know, yeah, seeing, seeing Mike Rubendahl with sleeves from Philip Lou, I was like, well, well, what is, what does this mean? Like I could, I could probably travel and get some tattoos too. So that, that kind of like opened my eyes of like, mm, I probably should save some space to get, start, start collecting a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was, that would probably be like what I took from that. When did you kind of get turned on to the style that you do now? Like that, that you like to paint in and that if you render most of your tattoos in, uh, I mean, back then, yeah. Um, seeing seeing like what Tattoo City was doing, seeing uh, he, they had like uh, that Hori Smoku book that mm-hmm. Ed put out, you know. So I was seeing like these cool traditional tattoos. I saw the stuff that you had done, um, you know, that you shelter supply shirt. <laughs> yeah, I had that shirt in <laughs> high school, and I thought that thing was. I mean, that was my favorite shirt. I hated navy blue shirts. I always have. <laughs> but I had a Navy blue one with the white print and I, that was my favorite shirt. Cause it had tattoos. I mean, this is before every clothing designer put tattoo images on it. Mm-hmm. Like that was far out. There was a fucking tattoo design on a t-shirt. Like that was my favorite thing. I had that thing until it had holes in it. <laughs> I um, have the one that I just posted on the Instagram. I have, and it's still in surprisingly really good shape. It's like a medium. <laughs> I don't wear it. It was my kids. And um, yeah, man, I just, I hooked up uh, Emmett Crocker, who I just hooked up again with on uh, Facebook. I found that dude, or he found me, I don't know, one or the other. And um, he was working for Volcom and had the, and was managing, I think, or even part owner in Youth Shelter Supply and, um, I went in there looking at skate yep. shit yep. and he was coming in, getting tattooed by Tom. And so, you know, yep. one, th- one thing led to another and, and I did that design and it was, um, I had just kind of learned how to paint with watercolor. I had finally taught myself. I had gathered enough little Intel from fucking Seth Safari and, and, uh, out at, <laughs> out at that tattoo tour that I got tattooed by Jeff Resher. I was like, I hit up everybody walking around with my sketchbook, just like asking questions. Um, you know, I was so new in it, man, but I, I, I wanted to get better. I wanted to know how to paint like Mike Malone and sure. um, met Mike that for that time. I bought a, a Mike Wilson print. Um, I uh, met Sabato. Like it was just a wild, wild time, man. But um, yeah, good, good times. Tattooing's been, been amazing to me. I mean, but that was the thing, too, is like if you wanted to learn how to do spit shade and watercolor, like, I mean, it took took a few years before before I, you know, when I moved out to Portland, I was getting tattooed by Terry Tweed and I got a couple of tattoos by him. How do you how do you end up? How'd you end up getting tattooed by Terry? Cause that, that dude is legendary, man. And a, and a dude that I've heard stories from and, and knew people that worked with Terry and, um, from my time at gold coast tattoo in Monterey. Um, and that guy was notoriously, it was the, the legend is that he could, uh, tattoo all day 
with like pressed khakis and uh, like a white shirt with just a drop cloth. Oh, and yeah. And there'd be no ink on oh. that dude. His, you could, you could white glove test any inch in that, that tattoo shop and it would come up clean. It was, <laughs> I mean, like scary, meticulous. Uh, everything in its place and, and all that. I, I came out to, to Portland to visit uh, some family when uh, Tom had died. Um, I had gotten in some trouble and was on probation. And then I got off probation and was like, fuck, I got to get out of here before I, I get in some serious trouble out here. Because, I mean, I was just a little knucklehead kid getting in trouble all the time. So I came out here to visit some family and uh wanted to get tattooed and um i saw a deluxe tattoo in the phone book and it, it had this chris con pinup of a nurse oh man and i saw that i i kind of recognized the tattoo shop name and then i saw terry tweet and i was like i know that name like that dude's somebody I, <laughs> I i couldn't remember where i knew him but i knew he was somebody and i should go get tattooed and i went and got tattooed by him and he was he was rad he was like i'd never been in a shop like that it was just immaculate like all the flash was drilled to the wall and framed and super clean and um he knew don nolan so i had i'd been tattooed by nolan and i had this dagger from him and so like that was kind of like oh okay this kid he he you know we he knows he knows who nolan is he's not some dipshit chucklehead <laughs> right so he kind of that was kind of the past and he kind of opened the door and he was like oh yeah and i was like well i kind of want to move out here maybe um you know and he's like well if you do you know just keep in touch and you know come by the shop or whatever and uh you know, I got tattooed by him and it was just, he was telling me stories about, you know, tattooing in Amsterdam and traveling. I mean, just nonstop. Like mm -hmm. that guy was always on the road and, um, you know, all the people he had been tattooed by. I mean, he's just, he's such a, uh, uh, I mean, like a legend within the, the cert, like the tattoo subculture. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, that guy really did it right. It was cool. And so when you went, came out to Portland, where did you, you moved out there and, and got a job working where? Uh, I started out in Vancouver, Washington, um, at a shop called Dark Star. And uh, it was, I mean, I had only been tattooing for maybe like a year and a half, two mm -hmm. years. Um, and the, the like licensing structure out here is like pretty difficult to get into and i didn't have any idea i was super young i think i was like 20 23 when i moved out here mm -hmm. um something like that just yeah it's pretty young um and so i couldn't get into portland because i couldn't have a i didn't have a license yet so um what a lot of people do is they just go across the river and work uh in vancouver so i found a street shop up there that would hire me and um you know, it was, it was awesome. The shop it wasn't very good. Uh, there was lots of tweakers and crazy shit and, you know, uh, people putting bricks through car windows in the parking lot. And I mean, it was nuts, but it was super, super busy. Like it was a crazy busy street shop and it really, it allowed me to do a ton of tattoos and kind of start looking at developing mm -hmm. my own thing. Like 
I got to do custom stuff. Uh, the owners, like, they were making so much money, they didn't give a shit what was really going on in there. So, like, I got to start sleeves. I mean, I was I was definitely doing bigger tattoos than, you know, I, looking back on it now, should have been doing it <laughs> two, three years in. Right. But, the you exact know, I same... worked with Tom. Yep. And I saw him do them, and I, I mean, I... He, he 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 was showing me how he did them and i was like fuck i really want to do big tattoos like that was the goal um and so i just started working in that shop and i i think i was there for a year or two and then you know that was kind of like the last the last time i would ever work for a married couple again i was like <laughs> Shit, some shit got crazy in there and uh, I ended up leaving and going to a shop here in Oregon and um, it was just like, hey, this is, this is it. I can't do another, another married couple shop. <laughs> this is just too much for me. That was, you know, there, you know, you talking about the, um, that shop rising Phoenix, man, there was something about Tom's just like nonstop desire towards that big Japanese work that he loved so much that made it infectious, you know, almost, you know, talking about wanting to do bigger work and, and starting to put those sleeves on when you were only a couple years in. I mean, that's the same shit that you, you probably saw walk through the door that I was doing when I came back out, you know, after of a year of tattooing, starting coming out to Minnesota in a, about a year under my belt and working a few years, you know, two, two and a half years with Tom and Candy, like sure. starting to jump into those bigger projects and doing, I mean, how could you, work. how could you not? And it was you know? infectious, man. That dude just had, it was something about it. It made you want to, made you want to do that shit. Yeah. I mean, there was that, there was a giant picture of Jeff's back piece, mm -hmm. you know, and they had their falling out and all that, but like Jeff had crazy, amazing tattoos on him. <laughs> totally. I mean, they were so fucking good. And mm. it, there's just, I mean, it was some nutball biker in central minnesota who just like <laughs> crushes worked it with nolan and got shown the ropes how to do some of that stuff you know and then on top of that like getting to go down to st paul with them and yeah. getting to meet don nolan and hang out with him and that was kind of you know it's notoriously hard to do yeah you know I, that's um, one thing that i wish that i would have had an opportunity to do was hang out with nolan and uh, i did use for the longest time one of the best one of the best machines to this day was still a left-handed nolan machine that i used until tom made oh. me give it back to him <laughs> when are you gonna give me right? that no when are you gonna give me that nolan machine back yeah he Dude, was. i mean and that was i mean that's the thing is like that guy is such a a recluse you know, mm -hmm. he just, I, I would go, I went down and got tattooed by him for my 21st birthday. And I mean, I spent the day down there and I, I showed up to the shop and they were like, Oh, hang out. Nolan's eating lunch or something <laughs> like that. His portfolios are right there. If you want to look through them. And, you know, I had a stack of, you know, five, 10, portfolios and there was there was bodysuits in there from from the late 60s and early 70s and this is 2001 i think 2002 that i was getting tattooed by him so i mean there was 30 years of tattooing that i got to look through and just bodysuit after bodysuit and he had all these cool um japanese inspired paintings that he had done and i was like holy fuck this is 
I mean, it was just the coolest shit. Like, how could you not want to do that when you get exposed to that? It's monkey see, monkey do. Yeah, I think one of those, man, that one of the things that's just coming to my mind so much, it's like those experiences that we had getting tattooed. Like, I sat in that same type of environment, you know, same type of impact that you had sitting in Acme waiting to get tattooed by Nolan. I had sitting in 222 in San Francisco waiting to get oh, tattooed God, by Eddie Deutsch, you know, and off the recommendation of my mentor, Steve Hendricks at Gold Coast, who had a, Eddie do a back piece, this Filipino uh, hut and, and dragon. And um, he's like, man, if you do anything before you leave California, you go get tattooed by Eddie Deutsch. And I did it, man. I listened to him. I was like stoked. And but but it's like those moments, man, when you when you're getting tattooed, you're hanging out in those those spots. I mean, people can man, you still have it today. And I think it's get out there and don't, in my opinion, and I'm I'm a working tattooer. So, you know, I'm going to say this, but don't just look for the the cheap price. You know, even if you're in a little t small blue collar town like, you know, in Minnesota, Tom stood by his prices even back in the day. Oh, yeah. You know, and would would demand you know in his own way uh you know demand that price that that he deserved for the work that he was doing and i think all too often people fall into the trap these days of because there's so many people tattooing of just going for the first person that can give you the best price and as opposed to really either connecting with a shop or connecting with an artist or just even connecting with a with a particular style or design you know um, and have something created for you and don't worry about what it's, you know, what it's going to cost. The experience is going to be with you a lifetime. You know, I, th I had those sure. experiences, you know, 20 something years ago, <laughs> you know, or, or 20 years ago. So, yeah, I mean, you, you can't, you can't put, you can't put a price on that. Yeah. You, uh, that, the, the, I don't remember how it goes, but it's like the, the, the sweetness of a cheap deal mm -hmm. will, will, fade far faster than the sourness of a bad tattoo or something like that, you know? And that's, yep. that's so true. I mean, uh, I mean, there's, there's always the garbage option <laughs> or, you know, um, you know, you, you get a, get a, get a grown up tattoo and save your, save your pennies. And, yeah. you know, as a working tattooer, like I'm all about that. Yeah. Um, but I also understand, you know, like I have friends that work, in, in pizza shops and they're like, I can't afford to get a, right. you know, $200 an hour tattoo or a, a $500 tattoo. You know, they're mm -hmm. like, I like to, but at the moment I can't. So, you know, I got my buddy who's learning and I'm going to get them. <laughs> and I can't argue with that and be like, no, you should totally, you know, mm -hmm. pay me $160 an hour when you make 12. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. That's not for everyone. Mm -hmm. I I got a sleeve done working in uh, uh, the, the old, it was the old Chuck E. Cheese in St. Cloud. <laughs> right. I worked yeah. there my senior year and that's how I paid for a start of a sleeve with Tom mm -hmm. is yeah. I, you know, that and I sold drugs, but you know, <laughs> um, you know, I, I paid for my tattoo that way, yeah. selling shitty Mexican dirt weed and, and working in a shitty pizza shop, making five bucks an hour or whatever it was. Right. And, you know, at, eventually I had enough for an hour or I had two hours, mm. you know, Christmas came around. I was <laughs> like, I got 250 bucks, Tom, I need an appointment and, you know, come in and piece it together. And I mean, you 
there, there's something about that. It's, 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 it's like, uh, you know, working to pay for your first car or something mm-hmm. like that, or paying your, yeah. your own rent for the first time. Like there's, there's this like satisfaction that comes like, okay, not only did this fucking hurt and I had to sit through it and grit my teeth, but you know, I, I had to save my money and, and, and make it happen. I had to make some sacrifices. So it, it means even more, um, you know, and I've got some clients, I got a, a client that I'm, I, I did, did some sleeves. I did sleeves on him and he, he's a fucking barista at Starbucks when I did it. Yeah. I mean, you know, it definitely saved his tip money and yep. it definitely can and, happen. And made it happen. Yeah, it definitely can happen. And I think that, um, you know, it's, it's important to kind of direct, direct your clients to that, you know, like, Hey, do you really want to, yeah, you can go out and get that $40 tattoo, you know, but do you really want to, or can we do $120 tattoo on you? That's going to be really nice. Or we start something with, you know, start a line, you know, start some line work with what you got now and you mm-hmm. know, we'll keep it, keep it rolling. Those, those kind of lessons, you know, I had to learn early on, man, just, you know, thinking about it, reminiscing about the, the early days. It's, it's like a lot of those things to try to help educate the client to move them in a direction where, 20 years from now, they're going to be happy with their work or more happy than they maybe sure would be if they, if they go in a different, in a different direction, not to say that I had to be the one that does the tattoo. I think, every, you know, any tattooer can, can do that. You know, I would, I've told people not to get tattooed by me, you know, like, Hey, I'm not probably not oh, the yeah, guy totally. for you, you know, but, um, it's interesting, man, because nowadays I think, especially in little towns, like where I live, you know, people are, the model of the everyday tattooer is not as prevalent. And I don't know how, how viable it is either, you know, to, to live off of tattooing these days. And it's something that I think a lot of tattooers, especially with the influx of so many coming into our industry are going to have to look at pretty quick. You either have to diversify and do something that will bring in some extra income because there's not, the volume of people coming in that want to pay what you want them to pay, you know? Oh, totally. Totally. I mean, and that's, I mean, I live in a city where we have, you know, we're half the population of Denver and we've got 200 shops. Right. How do you, You how do you then set yourself apart? Like as a, as an artist working up there, you maybe have the supply uh, of your, or the demand from people. And I mean, there's a ton of, of supply there too. So how do you, how do you set yourself apart as an artist up there? I mean, you, you can't just be good at drawing or, or tattooing anymore is a, I mean, you gotta be the total package. You gotta fair prices, good customer service. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you got to be patient with people. They don't always know what's going to be in their best interest. You kind of got to save them from themselves and work with them a little bit. Um, you know, uh, working at a shop like Artwork Rebels certainly doesn't hurt at all. You know, um, you know, as, as soon as I met Jason when uh, after he was up here, I was like, I want to work here. You know, um, I came up here, I introduced myself, I checked out the shop. Um, my girlfriend at the time got tattooed by him. Um, and I got to hang out and watch him and he was such a cool dude. And I mean, 
the crew here is, I mean, every, we're all friends. You know what I mean? Like we get, we hang out outside of the shop and, um, you know, there was just such a cool vibe up here. And um, I knew, you know, and we, we are a high end shop, you know, uh, we, we charge, we have a higher minimum. We charge more an hour than a, a lot of shops in town. Um, and we also offer something that you can't get at every shop. Like it's a, it's a real specialized you know, high-end custom shop. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't only do custom stuff, like we take walk-ins and all that stuff. And I, I do do a fair amount of those too. You guys, but, I think I've seen you guys do a lot of the, um, like Flash Fridays and, and that kind of stuff, don't you? Yeah, we were doing that um, for, for, for quite a few years mm-hmm. and it was really successful. Um, we just stopped uh, after the new year. We decided mm-hmm. we were going to kind of put that to rest for a little bit, you know, Maybe we'll revisit it, but for right now, but, um, I mean, we're, um, I mean, there's, there's tons of hand-painted flash here. Um, Jeff P, um, came out here from, from the East coast and he was working in, in New York and he's got a, you know, he's friends with the Smith street guys and has a bunch of tattoos from, from, uh, Bert and Steve and all of them. So, you know, he kind of, got got he's really influenced by those guys and came out here and you know he's just a painting machine like <laughs> he's just constantly painting sheets of flash and again it's it's infectious you're like oh man this guy is like painting his third sheet for the week like i'm i'm looking kind of lazy here <laughs> like i'm i'm just drawing my tattoos right you know so it's like well you don't want to be the guy so you're like i'm gonna paint too so i mean we're all painting a bunch and all that stuff. And the, the shop is just covered in, in our, our, our stuff, which is also great because then people come in and they're like, Oh, I was thinking about getting something or, you know, uh, I wanted something, you know, in my case, like Japanese. And I'm like, Oh, well, you know, you should get, uh, um, you know, a Koi with Kentaro or something like, well, what, what's that? Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh, well, I funny. You should ask. I just <laughs> painted one let me show you what this would look like. And they're like, Oh yeah, that's cool. I, I had no idea what that, what that is. Yeah. Well, so you're kind of, it's using flash again is what flash was intended to be used for, man. I mean, it's, it's something that, um, flash is a, is a sales aid, you know, it should be. And, you know, I think there was a period where flash went through this time where it became artwork and it became something that just decorated a station, not enhanced the business of tattooing in that station. And, you know, back when I was doing my first podcast, I talked with Jason Phillips at FT from FTW in Oakland. And, you know, he definitely reminded me of that, that he was painting flash um, and beautiful, beautiful flash. One of my favorite tattooers and painters. Dude, he's so good. So good. Excuse me. Um, but he said, you know, I, I'm painting flash to generate these types of tattoos. You know, I want to be able to, you know, point to something on the wall that my client says, oh, I'm thinking about something. I maybe don't know what I want. Oh, hey, well, what about this? And, you know, they know that he, what style he likes to work in. And, and he was using it for that. And I think that's absolutely awesome that that that's part of flash is coming back. And I see it even with. Um, guys doing what uh, Great Lakes Tattooing is doing out um, this month uh, with their walk-up classic, man. It's like just hand-painted flash or, you know, sheets of flash that's available convention style. It's just walk-up, 
you know, and there's a list like uh, that's insane of tattooers that are going to be there. And they're having an opening party the day before. And man, it just looked amazing. And it it's almost reminiscent of those Flash Fridays, but they're taking it to almost a more. I don't know what the uh, what the, that new vibe is, but it's it's a to me, it's like a new little twist on that on that um, get together. You know, let's all oh, get yeah. together and have a good time. Tattoo some fun tattoos and, um, you know, not make it about too much, you know? I mean, I was, I, I remember I was working down in Florida, um, at a street shop. Uh, I would go down in the winters, um, and, and tattoo down there for, you know, a month or a couple months at a time. And, uh, when, when the TV shows started up and, um, it really kind of put the, I remember the stigma kind of starting to happen around flash. They're like, people were just like, Oh, I don't want flash. Everyone has that. I need something custom with a story behind it uh-huh. because it, it, it's, it's an individual thing for me. And I remember that happening and it was like, well, yeah, okay, cool. Like it's benefit, you know, everyone's doing custom so we can, we can certainly do that. But I also remember, like, it really kind of shut down, you know, people getting flash. Like, people were just like, "How dare you ask if I I want looked at the flash? Like, I'm I'm only here for custom, and I have a you know I have this story to go along with it. So you need to hear this before you draw it, so it can influence you or whatever you know the TV shows wanted it to do. <laughs> and now we're starting to see like you're starting to see that calm down. Like, well, I think people are okay to come in and pick something off the wall. It's like, it's hand painted and we all want to tattoo it. And even if I did the same tattoo, uh, on two different people, they're going to look different. There's going to be something Mm -hmm. different about it. You know, you might shade it a little different or put some different colors in. And, and I mean, and that's fine. We get a lot of people, uh, uh, traveling, a lot of collectors that'll come through the shop and like, we don't, they're here for, they've got one day, they're here to get tattooed. And they're like, we got a day. We don't have time to draw some crazy custom piece for them. That's going to take, you know, five hours to draw. So we have this abundance of designs Mm -hmm. all over the shop. And it's like, well, cool. Just, you know, we have a ton of shit. We'd love to tattoo on you. And I'm sure you can find something that you like. So have a look around the shop and see what you find. And And they're stoked. Yeah. It's exciting times, man, dude. I, I appreciate it. And I just, dude, I've enjoyed talking with you, man. And I hope we can jump on again. Um, I got to get, uh, get going, go help my wife and my baby. But, uh, dude, it's amazing. Dude, talking so to you. Thank you very me. much. Dude, it's, it's been a pleasure. It was great. We'll talk again soon. Definitely give everybody up there, uh, Jason and everybody my best. And, uh, I appreciate it, man. Thank you, dude. Will do. Take care, Joe. See ya. Bye. Well, that's it, everybody. Thanks so much. I appreciate you guys listening and all the support. Remember, you can always follow me on Instagram at OG Joe Swanson. That's the Twitter as well. You can also follow the official Sullen Radio Instagram page. That's at Sullen Radio. If you'd like to get tattooed by me or hire me to podcast at your event, you can always email Joe at SullenRadio.com. And that's it, everybody. Thanks. Another episode in the books. I hope you enjoyed it. 
Um, I know I did. I had a great time and uh, look forward to the next conversation I get to have with an amazing artist. So have a great week, everybody. Thanks again. Keep hustling.